Yes, so uh, a very good evening and welcome along to this week's uh, Irish Whiskey Review Live featuring this week Lost Distilleries, but we'll get that in a minute in about uh, 15, 20 minutes time after we talk to Marty. Good evening. Hello. How are we, Justin? Are we, are we well? We're not, too, we're not too bad this week. Uh, what have you been up to? Are you all set for lockdown number two then? Yep. Uh, yes, Justin. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm getting provisions stocked up. Uh, I, I've, I've bought the SAS Survival Handbook. I have uh, baked beans by the dozen. Um, and most importantly, I have lots of whiskey. So should should we go down the, the, the Mad Max route, I'm prepared. That's what I that's what that's what I like to hear. That is what I like to hear. Uh, and, yeah. uh, it's, um, it's all rather depressing, but I think it's necessary. Uh, and uh, what about uh, what about uh, Christmas? Are you sorted for Christmas as well, Justin? The turkey, the turkey is hanging as we speak. Uh, I, things will be getting stuffed. Uh, there'll be chipotle sausages bought. The whole heap. No problem. Okay, that's that's what I like to hear. That's what, what I like yourself? to hear. What about yourself? Um, no, I haven't bought all my presents yet. I'm on the radio on Monday again. I'll I'll take a quick shifty around Belfast, and then that'll have to do me. I mean, I've I've got a couple of things ordered. Uh, you know, if 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 worse a push comes to shove, I can be the winner of the Irish whiskey coffee and give that to my brother-in-law. But I, but, <laughs> but, I, but I think if, if the competitions were regulated and Facebook would be in trouble. But that won't happen. One of the used lucky people would win this ten-pound pack of Bothy coffee, Irish coffee tonight. We'll we'll give you the the details of how to enter that competition. Well, we'll give it. I'll do it now. Shall I do it now, Marty? Fire away, Justin. Fire away. I want you to go to Irish Whiskey Review now, Irish Whiskey Review on YouTube, and hit subscribe. Simple as that. Go to Irish Whiskey Review on YouTube and hit subscribe. It's the button down there. Where is it? Down there. <laughs> down there. That's where it is. Now, uh, it doesn't cost anything. It just means you get notifications. Hit the bell, and every time we do a live show, it comes through. Don't worry. You won't get spammed. We only do it once, maybe twice a week. All yeah, right. That's now. We've got this week in whiskey to cover. A lot happens in a week in whiskey, doesn't it, Marty? Oh, unbelievable, Justin. Unbelievable. Uh, will we do the news? There we go. Now, this week, there have been a number of auctions this week. Uh, and it has to be number one sort of talked about topic in Irish whiskey this week is the price of Middleton. Middleton 2020 whiskey is obviously this year's release and I, to be honest i didn't think it was as good as some previous years but it's going on the auction sites now and reaching a thousand euros for a bottle that you can buy literally in the shop and being put on the auction sites now as you can imagine there are fortune hunters uh about there are people out there i heard of a guy yesterday who went into a shop and asked are you getting in any middle in 2020 and the guy behind the counter said yes we're getting three bottles but me and my two mates are buying them so we can put them on the auction sites <laughs> yes so as you can as you can imagine this is not going well this is not going down well with people that actually have been collecting it for years so this is middleton 2018 a bottle of this now 
on the auction site probably set you back about 400 euros so the prices of these are starting to fly up and i don't think this is a healthy thing for the irish whiskey industry if i'm totally honest uh there's not, nothing wrong with people buying it and investing it. i have a few bottles myself that i have that i'll probably never open and i'll hang on to for a while um and i know they're worth an awful lot more than i paid for them but when you're releasing new bottles that are going straight to the auction sites that people are paying massively inflated prices for that to me is not a healthy thing it, it doesn't bode well and irish whiskey prices in general are starting to creep up up and up and up so even just buying them directly from the shop obviously these days it's more online shopping than anything else as the price creeps up you're cutting off more and more of just the ordinary punter who aren't really getting a chance to try some of the new brands because they are expensive so i think there's i think there's a, a very sort of strange dynamic happening and and it'll be interesting to see where it goes what's the way around this marty how how, how are they going to overcome that i think i don't think there's really much that that anybody can do about it at the minute until there's more whiskey spirit actually available there's there's a limited amount of uh product and a massive demand so lots of people i mean i i got asked last summer uh by a guy that i know quite well if if i could put point him in the direction of sourcing some spirit for an american guy who was wanting who was a buyer for a a thing i found out later that it was costco in america and this guy from costco was wanting it was something like twenty thousand liters of 12 year old single malt every 10 days or something and i said there's, there's, that's just not there's no that, there's not that amount of irish whiskey of that age available it's just not there so he was he was a bit sort of perplexed about this so you have until there's a lot more spirit involved i think that the price is going to kind of got down a little bit but there's nothing really i think anybody can do just we have to bide our time you know okay we'll we'll see where this one goes yes we'll see where this one goes now there is a new uh the whiskey guild has been formed this week uh by jj corey it's good people these guys jj corey our friends over at kilowan um our friend uh william o'connell uh, and the blackboard distillery now the idea behind the guild is it's been set up to provide support and advice to independent distillers and a spokesman for the guild said we will provide a positive contribution to the irish whiskey sector and give a strong voice for the independence to the department of agriculture on a range of legislative issues that are not currently being met or heard as these new distilleries have opened up you have a, 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 the main body that looks after them is the irish whiskey association and the, they originally set up a parenting uh, partnership group because everybody realized that Irish whiskey uh, companies and distilleries weren't really in competition with each other because if they wanted to build the brand Ireland they they sort of mentored each other so Bush Mills would have went and helped out probably some of the guys locally up here mm -hmm. 
We um, talked about that before, Marty. It's 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 very altruistic, that isn't it? It is, but it's it's also a very positive way because Irish whiskey is a brand in and of itself, and if it wasn't big enough to have competing all these competing factors, but having talked to some of the some of the other guys, some of the smaller guys, some of the big multinationals are coming in. You know, you have your Pernod Ricard down in, in uh, Middleton, uh, you've Diageo with Rowan Co, and all these massive companies who, just by the sheer scale of them, probably have more of a sway than the smaller independents. So these guys are getting together to really just sort of say, look, there's certain things that we need to do as well. I Knowing, um, we'll find out more about this probably during the week, uh, there's a bit of this will be about the pot still technical fight. Of that, I'm pretty certain sure and about making it a bit more reflective of what it was historically. Anything, so anything, anything of this to, to do with Brexit? Uh, there'll be elements of that in it. Um, the smaller guys, they, they have they have mostly risk, really, because I mean, Diageo. If there's a change in the law, Diageo that we just bring in as many lawyers as needs to to be there to get it fixed. But if you're a small one-man band operation well like like your wd o'connell really is a one-man band and if you they can't afford to take bring in you know five lawyers to and and three accountants to overlook all their books and stuff so really it's nice that there's these guys have realized that they need to band together to to, to help the small guys too you know so for some numbers Tell me this: uh, How do you feel about that? Because you you've got your ology now, you've got your general certificate now. How, how do you feel about this sort of technical file side of things? Um, if I'm honest, I think there has to be rules of some description. Otherwise, it's just a bit like the wild west. Uh, but it's very restrictive, and it's not historically reflective of what pot still whiskey would would have been. Um, and there's some guys, I haven't talked to them about it, but I know there's some guys who have been doing a lot of research and work into what the old pot still mash bills would have been. And the technical file at the minute isn't really reflective of that. It only allows uh, it allows mixture of malted and unmalted barley and then 5% other grains. So you can have 5% oats or 5% rye or whatever. But that's not really reflective of what it used to be. It used to be, you know, you could have had 40% rye or, or certainly a higher percentage of oat. So, But are you going to hit innovation then? Surely that will hit innovation if that happens, if, 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 you, if you've got to stick to this file in a certain well, fashion. Well, you see that. But in order to get it passed for your, your geographical indication, you have to have a, a specific file. It has to meet a certain criteria. So, for example, Parmaham, just off the top of my head, has to be made in Parma and has to be made in a certain way. You can't just buy a packet of Denny's in Parma and say, well, this is Parmaham. So I can understand why the technical file was brought up and I can understand that why it was a, a, a narrow ban to keep it within certain specifications, but it's too restrictive and not really historically, not accurate in terms of uh, what the mash bills used to be. So 
it'll be interesting to see where that goes at some point, you know. Okay. Uh, what's next right. tonight on This Week in Whiskey? Well, uh, the Spanish authorities have uncovered what they believe to be one of the largest criminal networks for the production of illegal whiskey. An operation, and I have to be very careful what way I say this, because I don't speak Spanish, Operation <laughs> Fuco, F-U-C-O. -F <laughs> don't want the Facebook, don't want Mark Zuckerberg pulling me. No, um, uh. they saw the arrest of 14 people and seized 300,000 whiskey bottles, 171,200 tax stamps, 9,550 litres of pure alcohol, 11,200 litres of prepared whiskey and 36,460 bottles of fake whiskey. Now, the brand wasn't disclosed, but it was said it was a very well-known brand, right? Okay, so yeah. You imagine, you imagine they're, probably, they're probably trying to imitate something like Johnny Walker or something, probably something actually a bit more expensive than that. But, I, I but, they didn't, but they didn't say it was withheld. So, but... You know, it's uh, that that doesn't help it because it leads to speculation further, Marty, doesn't it? Really? Well, it does. See, I have a, I have a little counter, or a little not a little counter, a little addendum to this. But I did see earlier on in the week, so so someone called it faulty pars, <laughs> faulty pars. I thought it was a cracker. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, a few years ago in China, there was counterfeit whiskey and it poisoned 22 people that wouldn't be no, good no it's serious stuff but this is the other story uh there was a, a robbery last week in glasgow where thieves made off with 2400 cases of glenfiddich 12 year old okay so that's worth about 200,000 pounds now everybody likes a bargain but when it comes to a foodstuff or a whiskey or, you know, we've all seen the guys in, at markets or coming into places and saying, do you want to buy some cheap whiskey or cheap vodka or whatever? Don't buy this, people. You have no idea what's in that. Uh, I mean, when you've discovered pure alcohol, basically what these guys would have been doing is pure alcohol, probably some vanilla flavoring or something and a, and a bit of food colouring and watering it down. Industrial alcohol is industrial. You are not supposed to drink it. Okay, yeah. so if anybody offers you cheap booze, and there's going to be lots of people offering Glenfiddich 12-year-old in and around Glasgow, you pay, buy it from a reputable supplier. You don't have a clue what's in that bottle unless it's overseen by inspection. So do not be buying cheap vodka or cheap whiskey, etc., etc. So... That's my warning. Daddy, Daddy knows best. Okay, okay, Jose. Uh, <laughs> couldn't resist that, sorry. Um, <laughs> what What's next this week then? Now, the good people over at Two Stacks uh, Whiskey. That light's always terrible. Two Stacks have decided, now this is going to America, to put whiskey in a tin. Now, this is the, the exactly the same as is in this bottle. The director's cut, although, oh, sorry, I think it's phase two, maybe they're putting in the tin. It's a 100 milliliter tin, and it's, it's whiskey. It's not one of these pre-prepared cocktails. Uh, 
that two stacks is a mix it's a blend of uh, single malt green whiskey and pot still whiskey as well um it's i don't know they they claim that it it's better for it, it stays it doesn't oxidize as quick that you can buy it you know you can you only open a little bit you don't have to buy a full bottle etc etc but how do we feel about whiskey in a tin mm. of course that's a weird one but sometimes people were not receptive to guinness with a widget but you know it, it does work now it does i i'd be honest with you it's not, it's not a draft pint of guinness let's be honest it's really not but it's not i don't think there's nothing wrong with it at all um it's nice and it's you know 90p or a pound a tin you can't be bad to it uh i i, I like draft guinness in a tin whiskey in a tin uh, I don't know. I don't know. The jury's out on it, but uh, good luck to them. Anyway, that's that's the main thing, you know. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I, I mean, don't knock it until you've tried it. No. I, I think. I, I think. think that, I think that. Well, you know, it's, it's it's. I suppose it's about like the the plastic plastic corks. You know, there's something sort of natural about a, a, a proper cork cork, not your, your your rubber. You know polyurethane or whatever it is cork you know what you i think a, is i thought cork. the trouble with corks is they were running out of corks and that's why they had to go to rubber wasn't that some of the thing originally uh, or was, i think that was a, a part of it but now uh, i think that the, they planted lots of cork trees in in spain and portugal and i think that's sort of healthy because the cork forests uh European lynx and stuff live in the cork forests. So it, it was, I think they got a fairly hefty EU. Uh, okay. So there's, so, so there's, there's a real benefit to, to the cork forest. <clears throat> yeah. Now, where are we heading now then? Now, we're going to end on a good, good news story since it's coming up to Christmas. Uh, Street oh. Blast Gym. Oh, a gym closure. This is brilliant. I don't have to stick to my New Year's resolutions <laughs> now that the gyms have closed. No, no, Justin, because Conor McGregor and Proper 12 come to the rescue. Straight Blast Gym down in uh, County Louth, down in Port Arlington, is that, is that where it is? Uh, announced that they were going to close permanently because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So they said they apologised and said, look, we're really sorry, our nice community is going to have to uh, close and we're going to split it up but it's beyond our control and we're closing permanently the next day they put up we're back and it was because not, not in a Terminator way uh, Philip Mulpiter found a backer uh, in Conor McGregor Marty how on earth do you lose distilleries how is it possible <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what happens, Justin. There's these these delirious and mad people who, at some point, decide we'll just stop drinking, and it just it goes. I don't know. It goes against the grain, but that's like there you go. So we end yeah, up. Well, I think. Them. Well, certainly in some instances, we can blame the Americans for that. Um, oh. When uh, when prohibition hit, uh, that actually caused the closure of, of uh, dozens of distilleries across Scotland. Yeah, uh, we'll just we'll do an introduction. Uh, last. Last Saturday, we did a, a feature on Christmas presents. And one of the things I suggest that people get was 
uh, a range called the Lost Distilleries. And there was a lot of interest in this, and a few, few people actually messaged me after it to say that they thought this was, that was a, a nice idea. It was a sort of being in, in touch with history. So we've brought on Ken Rose of the Lost Distilleries Company to tell us a bit more about it. So Ken, welcome, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks, very good. Good to meet you both today. Yeah, uh, so Ken, this idea of, of resurrecting distilleries, this isn't new, there's lots of people have brought back the names of the distilleries, but you've mm -hmm. kind of done a lot more than that. You've, you've actually tried to recreate what the distilleries tasted like or what the, the, the character of the whiskey would be. So how, how did this come about? Right. Well, I mean, I think going back, I mean, it was about uh, 2011, 2012. Um, uh, my, my business partner and good friend um, was, was with a mate sitting in a pub um, and there was a story on the news about another, yet another distillery getting bulldozed. So this was an old, an old, you know, uh, disused distillery, uh, which one of the big, you know, big multinationals decided they no longer wanted it, and um, they bulldozed it. And uh, the, the chat just became about, well, you know, isn't it a tragedy about the, the, you know, so much of the heritage of Scotch whisky making has just vanished and been forgotten over the years, um, you know, for often, you know, sort of bad reasons. And um, so from that little kernel of an idea in a pub, uh, they got to thinking, well. Could we bring some of these whiskies back? So then um, uh, they they went to um, uh, to a, a historian and archivist um, M Michael Moss. He's a professor at Glasgow University at the time uh, to to take this idea further. To think, well, you know, could we? Uh, is there enough research out there? Enough information that um, you know, given the work, could we research a distillery, find out how the whiskey was made? Uh, and then build a profile of how that whiskey should have tasted. Um, so that, that began basically uh, a multi-year uh, research project. So for each distillery, the, the team spends about a year researching them. Uh, so they're going back through, um, you know, sort of uh, old documents, uh, uh, tax records, like from the old excise, the excise man, who would record exactly what type of barrels it, um, were stored in the, uh, in the warehouse. So they'd know that... Um, you know, Gersten was using rum casks or that uh, Jericho was using uh, Oloroso and PX casks. So we have, you know, quite uh, detailed information about the, um, the, the type of barrels used in the mix, um, records which showed about the type of barley they were using, the particular strain, um, also what sort of yield they were getting. Uh, so how, much, how many bushels were going in and how much whiskey was, uh, new whiskey was coming out. Um, we have old photographs and drawings of stills, um, the design of the washback type of yeast they were using. Um, we get, then went back on site um, to find out, you know, where they dug their peat from, if, they, if it was peated. Um, so analyze the peat, analyze the water. Uh, so you have somewhere like um, Strathedon or Rocknaggy, where they, the water was really crystal clear and almost sweet. Um, versus, say, Gersten, where they were right on the coast and um, the water was briny, so you actually had okay. saltiness uh, coming through the water. So, um, so they would research all of this and then build a very detailed profile of what the whiskey should have tasted like back in the day. You across some incredible stories and astonishing characters, Ken. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. 
I mean, it was a nice thing. I mean, when you, um, the, the research was primarily focused on, uh, you know, finding out how the whiskey should have tasted back then. However, when they, when they were delving into the records and old diaries and all sorts of, uh, you, know, rec uh, you know, written records and photographs, we found out, um, like Peter Dawson, who um, he, he built Tobimore Distillery in Speyside, he was also uh, one of the owners of Okneggy Distillery uh, through its history. And so this guy was a, he was a whiskey entrepreneur, quite famous. Uh, he made Dawson's blend. Um, he, he blended the largest ever vatting of whiskey. Uh, he, um, he sponsored, um, he sponsored um, um, Captain Scott's expedition to the South Pole. Um, he, wow. um, the, um, there was a, a competition um, uh, run by the Australian government uh, in the early 1900s for the first uh, um, commercial flight or the first flight from, uh, from London to, uh, to Australia. And he sponsored a biplane. Um, it was a single engine biplane which flew, uh, flew basically <laughs> over the course of 200 plus days. Um, yeah, so it wasn't just a brief stopover in Dubai. It was 200 <laughs> days of flights with hundreds of stops um, all the way you know, through the Indian subcontinent and uh, down through Asia uh, to get to, uh, to Sydney. And that plane uh, bears his initials, PD, uh, Peter Dawson. Oh. And, uh, in, and the plane has been restored and sits in the Aviation Museum in Canberra today. Oh, wow. So, uh, so there's, there's no shortage of amazing stories. No, uh, I, I, all of this, this whole thing appeals to all the aspects of the nerd in me. Uh, the, the, from all the research, all the, the, the history, uh, the whiskey, the tasting, and the, fa the fact you actually have a, a, a sort of tangible connection to the past. Now you'll have that. You'll have people say, "Oh, but you'll never know whether it's 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 the same or whatever." But the fact that you've taken all the aspects and tried to recreate it as as best you can, there's no way of knowing knowing if, whether it's exactly right. But sure. I would try and tell people that whiskey's so much more than just a drink. You you buy into the story, and if you if you can take all of the 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 history and the location and distill it into to a modern whiskey, you're buying into that story. You're actually, it's much more than just registering the name. You know, you've, you've taken it much, much further than that. Now, you, you said about Professor Moss, how, how involved was he in the whole process? So, you know, I know he's a, a whiskey historian. So how, how did you get him on board or how, how much input did he have, you know? I mean, a lot of, you know, he, so he led the team doing the research. And so they, what they ended up doing was they, they, um, the output of his work was, and the team's work was um, for each whiskey, a very detailed profile. Uh, so you, so, um, and they ended up, you know, putting it into a graph. So you had the, the nose, the body and the finish. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, you know, from, from, you know, very detailed um, uh, elements of the, the oiliness, um, the, uh, and then sort of about 50 different flavor profiles of different types of fruit and wood, uh, esters, et cetera, that, um, that, that was the output of, uh, of, of, of his team. Um, and then this is where it gets, it's, we, we call it a bit of a combination of art and science because, yeah. um, you know, we, we follow science as much as possible. Um, you know, 
through you know, analyzing water and peat and, and understanding of, uh, of, of strains of barley and the yields of yeast, et cetera, and the shape of the still. However, it, you know, it gets to a point that we, we we're actually, what we're, and just to clarify as well, we're not trying to recreate the whiskey exactly as it was in the 1800s, because that's just, yeah. that's plain impossible. Uh, you know, we would have to, to do that, we'd have to rebuild the stills uh, and, re, you know, and, and actually craft it exactly the way it was done. So yeah. what what we what how we call it is these are a modern sort of homage to these to these whiskies. So this is as if they were still operating today. Uh, this is how we believe and the teams believes uh, the whiskies would taste today if they were still in operation. Um, so it's like a modern day interpretation of the whiskey. So so we so his team their work finishes with a detailed profile of the, of, uh, of the whiskey. And then what we have is is a blending team who takes a look at that, and then has a has a debate or argument effectively as to how <laughs> how do we how do we recreate that? So uh, you know these are these are blended malts. So what we what they're trying to do is is approximate a single malt through the blending together of multiple uh, single malts. Uh, and then in some cases, secondary aging as well into, you know, into a, say, a sherry cask or something if, if that's required for, for the profile. So you've got a team of people um, looking at this detail, this profile, and having a really big argument over of the casks of single malts that we can buy today. You know, yeah. we, we've got, we, we buy everything from new make all the way up to, we've got, you know, 40-year-old uh, single malts still in casks today. Um, so that's basically our toolkit. Uh, or uh, and as to what we can use to, we've got about eighty, I think, uh, from eighty different distilleries uh, as to what we can use to uh, to, to recreate these uh, these these uh, whiskies. Yeah, I, I mean it's fast, it's fascinating. Um, I have good old trusty Alfred Bernard. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. I, I mean, where would we be without him in many regards? But you know, <laughs> you, you pick through. Um, I just opened at the the Dalaruan down in Campbelltown, mm-hmm. and I, I I've tried a few of the the Lost Distilleries bottles, and I thought this was just fabulous. I thought I, I honestly mm-hmm. thought it was as good as any Campbelltown that I, I had tasted. Uh, do you take it sort of the the, the geographical? Um, by what I mean by that is. For the Campbelltown distillery, did you just use Campbelltown whiskey, so Springbank and uh, right. Scotia, or did you bring it in from mm-hmm. somewhere else? Yeah, so the answer is uh, we use more broad whiskies more broadly than that. Um, it, it, the, probably the best example is so it, you know is Dalaruan made of only Campbelltown whiskies? No, because honestly, there's only there's only a couple, uh, so it yeah. doesn't give us a lot of breadth of whiskies to use to to make the profile. So that that that's a particular example where there's just not enough single malts coming out of out of Campbelltown today to do that. Um, another another good example is Strathedon. So mm-hmm. that was a, a lowland a lowland single malt. However, uh, we know that the um, uh, Alexander von Throne, the, the distiller, his brother was a, was a barley trader. So he was shipping barley from the lowlands uh, up, yeah. you know, across across Scotland. He was shipping barley to the Orkneys. And then, um, so, but he couldn't come back, uh, couldn't come back to the lowlands with an empty boat. Uh, so what, yeah. they, what he would do, would fill the boat with peat and, uh, and bring the Orkney peat back down and then presumably sell that to his brother 
who would then use the Orkney piece on his lowland single bowl. So, so yeah. then for us, for us to recreate the Strathedon profile, what we've done is, so it's a lowland single malt, or was a lowland single malt, but we use in there Orkney malts uh, to, to bring in that Orkney sort of maritime uh, flavour from the islands. Excellent. Yeah, makes total sense. I, I, I do like the, the fact that the Strathedon was originally called the Uchter Machte distillery. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. and I, I, I get the feeling they changed the name pretty much. The Proclaimers, for anyone that doesn't know the band, the Proclaimers are from Uchtermachty. And yeah. I, I get the feeling that they probably changed the name because most people south of the border couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> and I think even in, even in Scotland, I've heard about four, four different ways to pronounce it as well. So there's even yeah. debates how to pronounce it uh, in Scotland. So I, I imagine it was a very sort of a shrewd piece of marketing on their part, but yeah. I, it's it's a, I mean the whole story is fabulous. So how 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 are things going? Has it been well received by the whiskey industry, or did some people shy away from it, or you know? Yeah, how well, many people... I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I've been I've been in the whiskey industry since '94. Oh, um, so. Uh, and I've and I've worked for some of the big multinationals uh, before this, um, and. I think what what I've seen personally um, is, you know, when we first started this, there was a lot of, especially from whiskey geeks, there was a real uh, resistance to um, uh, to blended malts uh, in yeah. particular. And so I remember, you know, being at a um, uh, you know whiskey festival in Munich, and uh, these guys walked past and they were saying, uh, you know, what single malts do you have? I said, well, actually, these are all blended malts, and their response was, oh. No, you know, like, yeah. like this. Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, I said, well, hang on, you know, and I told them the story. I said, look, just try one, uh, you know, on me, have a try of that. And by the time these guys left, they'd each bought bottles uh, yeah. and and were just sold because I think if people like single malts, that they, they love blended malts, and and to, yeah. to and to think that blended malts are something inferior is is absurd. Um, because they can actually be incredibly complex, um, yeah. and you can get bad single malts, you can get bad blended <laughs> yes. whiskies. Yeah. So, um, but you, but so um, so I think that there, there we have seen a, a major change in openness generally towards uh, blended malts. So that has been yeah. it's a long process, and I think there's still a way to a ways to go, and even understanding because I think a lot of people don't actually a lot of you know, sort of mainstream people don't even know what a what What's the difference between a single malt and a blended scotch and a blended malt uh, yeah, to start with? Uh, so, yeah. So I think that there's a lot of confusion, a lot of just lack of understanding anyway. Um, yeah. And so blended malts get do often get tarred with the same brush as a blended scotch. So I think, but that is changing. Um, you know, the same as in you know the non-age statement used to be uh, frowned upon. As, and now I think that's changing as well. So people realise there's much more to whiskey than just age. Did you have any difficulty gaining access to some of the old names? Were the trademarks still registered or still held by somebody out there? Each distillery project that we started, that was one of the first first things we looked at was, you know, can is is the is the name open? Is you know, can we register the trademark? Um, because you know. Um, 
there would be no point us starting to work on Port Ellen, for instance, because you know that was clearly owned, you know, still owned by Diageo. Uh, so that was not a project we would we would attempt to start. So it was one of the first questions: as is just is it possible to actually to, to work on this this this, pro, this distillery or not? Um, but what we did have though was um, some distilleries where the team started their research. But after time and looking into it, they discovered that the whiskey wasn't good uh, or wasn't well regarded um, or they or they just couldn't find enough information about it uh, yeah. to, to, to accurately build a profile. And so that so that would be a dead end and we would stop work on it. You have just run down here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven different bottling. Is there mm -hmm. any more coming or are you working on new new well, bottles or new? Yeah. Yeah, we're actually, I mean, we, um, we are a very small company and, I, you know, seven, we've done seven different distillery expressions and then each of them has a classic archivist and vintage, you know, so we have, you know, a classic range, which is around a 10 to 12 year old profile, the, um, the archivist, which is 15 to 18 year old profile, and then, then the vintage, which, you know, which is the, um, the sort of 20, 25 plus year. Um, so that's 21 whiskies, which it's actually a lot. Um, um, so we're, we're, at the moment, we're not looking to, to, to go more broadly, um, but we are looking in the new year um, to, uh, to make some changes. So, so for instance, the, the, you know, the vintage range, um, this currently is non-age statement and, uh, and also 46%. So what we're looking to do is to make this much more of a single cask offering single it's a blended malt still but effectively a single cask uh with probably something like a 25 year old age statement as a minimum uh and then actually go cask do a, a natural strength or cast strength as well so um so that's the sort of thing that we're looking to change you know the changes coming forward is to to do better i think do better with what we have brilliant uh price wise your, your range starts at roughly Okay, well, I mean, um, in the UK, we're talking uh, classic range about forty-five pounds, mm -hmm. and then uh, sixty pounds uh, for uh, for the archivist range, and then we've been um, for the vintage. We've been running a special at the moment, so that's about one hundred and sixty pounds uh, on that at the moment. So we have our own we have our own e shop, and then also we're on Amazon and and a bunch of other retailers as well. The actual shop itself is shop.crucialdashdrinks.com. Excellent. We'll get we'll get those put up. Ken, it's been fabulous talking to you, and all the best. I love what you do. I've tasted a few of your whiskies, and I, I genuinely think the Dalaru, and I loved it. I thought I thought it was yeah. fabulous. Uh, I love the branding, and, and I like buying into the history of the whole thing. So, I'd love to, I'd love to actually get it in more of a book form. You know, you mm -hmm. could maybe buy samples and have a little book on some of the history, because that that to me is what whiskey's all about. You buy the heritage. You're, you're getting into a story and then in a geographical place and stuff and i think what you're doing is fabulous yeah i think thank you we, well, the thing is we have we have all that information so i think there's just when we have some more time up our sleeves i think there's no doubt we'll do that i think i think it would be a, a fabulous addition to what you're doing great well martin justin been a real pleasure today nice to meet you both Thanks Listen, have a good thank christmas okay thank you yeah. Yeah, have a wonderful christmas bye -bye. take care bye-bye bye-bye was asked last week and possibly the week before about giving some advice on whiskies 
at certain price ranges. So I, I did up a little list. Now, there's lots and lots of whiskies now available for all manner of prices and costs and all this kind of stuff. But what I thought I would do is I would do maybe two, three in each sort of price range and then tell you where you can get them because I don't want to do go down the route of this is the the whiskey you have to get and and it be some single cask offering that's really hard to get or a limited release that you can't get. So these are all ones in and around these prices that are available. You can get them easily enough. Most of them are on in a line. So under £20 or £20 or under, to be honest, guys, you really don't get much for that. You have to remember £11 in the UK, £11 of what you're paying for in a bottle of whiskey's tax. So if it's under £20, really you're you're not leaving the distiller or the retailer an awful lot of wiggle room there. But lots of people will tell you, don't buy off Amazon, don't buy off Amazon. You can't not buy off Amazon. Everybody does it. Um, for under £20, at the minute, they're selling Johnny Walker for £14 a bottle. Now, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Johnny Walker is easily drinkable. I know lots of people uh, wouldn't necessarily drink it, but lots of people do. It's the biggest selling scotch in the world for a reason. It's good quality and it's very reasonably priced. And it's on it's at £14 on Amazon. So, And that's including delivery. <laughs> so, I mean, they're basically giving it away for free. Uh, at Winepig, winepig.co.uk, which is a local independent of like at a very reasonable price. Uh, Paddy's is nice old classic Irish whiskey, and um, one that very, very, very few people will turn their nose up at Paddy's. It's a very easy drinking whiskey. And I think it's $17.99 or something on the fight, so it's dead cheap. The other one that I come across, and I didn't spend a huge amount of time, there's lots of online retailers here, but I didn't spend masses and masses of time going around every one of them to try and get the cheapest. I literally just had a look at maybe half a dozen and picked some of them up. The other one I found was a real bargain at £20 a bottle at thedropstore.com. And that's a Gelston's five-year-old single malt sherry cast finish. For twenty pound, for twenty quid, now that's phenomenal value. So, if you're looking a ball for Christmas, you haven't tried before. TheDropStore.com, Gelson's five-year-old uh, single malt cherry cast finish. You'll not go wrong with it for that money. Now, from twenty to thirty pounds, in between that range. Once you hit that, you can't look past Black Bush. It's fabulous, fabulous quality. Just a, it's a special whiskey. It's that good, and for what you're getting in that bottle, it's it's not a single malt, but it's not far away. It's about 70, 80 percent uh, malt, and the rest uh, grain whiskey. And it, I mean, uh, it's 22, 24 pounds a bottle. It's just fabulous stuff. Fabulous. The quality you get in it pretty much for anything in and around that price range it's just so much better it really is but if I have to give another one uh, oh Blackbush just buy it from your local independent go to the shop buy it 
give them your money because let's be honest, all the local guys need as much money as possible these days. The other one, Jameson Stout Cast Finish. It's Jameson for me. I don't drink a lot of Jameson. I'm not a not a massive fan. I don't think it's got a huge a huge taste, but the the Stout Cast Finish one is probably the best of those entry level ones. Uh, it's, it's really quite good. It's got much more flavour than just ordinary Jameson. Now, from thirty to forty pounds. Now this is where you're starting to get much better quality stuff. Uh, there's lots and lots in this bracket, and there's, to be fair, there's lots out now that I haven't tried. Just simply because it's, I well, just haven't got around to trying them, or I haven't bought them, or whatever. I will get around to them at some point. But there's some very, very good whiskies at this price range. Very good. The dark silky. Uh, we we did a tasting of it. And I think everybody was extremely impressed by what it was. Pick it up. It's on Irish Malts, irishmalts.com. Uh, the Hinge Pete The Hinge Pete I, I think it's I think it's exceptionally good value for money. And that can be bought at Irish Malts as well. Uh, the other one I found, uh, and this is really quite cheap for this, uh, Powers Three Swallows. It's at McSwiggins. .co.uk and it is a really it's a step up in class from your ordinary powers and the thing about it is guys I know lots of people who they just don't they won't buy whiskey that they consider expensive but if you're going to buy something a little bit better quality if you buy a bottle of powers and it's costing you £25 but you're getting three swallows at a little more than that, up and around um, 35, 37. It's really an extra tenner. This is not a whiskey you're going to sit down and just drink and get really plastered drunk with your friends. Which try not to do too often, but I've been there lots of times. But this is a whiskey you have. You'll take a couple of your your lesser ones, possibly take something, take a couple of Johnny Walkers if you want. Then take a couple of Powers Three Swallows. It's a very, very good whiskey for a very, very reasonable price. Now, 40 to 50. Now, remember, these are not my all-time favourites. These are ones that I've said, if you haven't tried these, try these. Get them at a real reasonable price. and They're, they're easy enough to get hold of. You'll have no difficulty getting any of these. 40 to 50 pound, you can't cannot look past Red Breast 12. Red Breast 12 is fantastic. It's beautiful pot still. You get a sherry cast finish. It's lovely, rich red fruits. No one will turn up their nose at Red Breast 12. It's super whiskey. But other one, Pierce Lyons Founders Reserve. You get it again. You get it on Irish malts, and I think it's just one of the one of the most interesting whiskies released for a long time. On the nose, it's very green apple. It's very light. Uh, you know, it's that green apple peaches sort of pear green fruits. Then on the palate, it works its way down until it gets in the finish. There's actually a sort of fairly strong coffee note. It comes through, it's that, and it goes through that whole range, and it's just 
it's amazing stuff. I think it's fabulous. Uh, also in that teeling single grain, there's a few single grain whiskies out there, some bad, some good. The teeling one's probably the best of the lot, uh, certainly in around that price range. And try if you haven't tried a single grain whiskey, try it. Uh, you'll you'll not be disappointed. Now I've done from fifty to seventy. So fifty to seventy, you're getting to well, obviously quite expensive for for some people. For some people, that's quite expensive. And again, by the way, I'm sticking to all Irish. I'm not heading towards Scotland, even though tonight I am drinking a wee beastie from our bag. That's what we're doing tonight. No, so um, fifty to seventy. Bill Phil, our friend over at WD O'Connell. Bill Phil, this is batch number one. Uh, batch number two is available at the minute. Now, you have to remember that this, I'm trying to remember what's, um, yes, this is 59.6% alcohol. This needs a little drop of water, okay? Don't cast strength whiskies. You can try them at that strength, but you're not getting the most out of them at that strength. You need, you need bring it down on water otherwise just too much alcohol so you think oh but this is nearly half as much gain alcohol as your standard whiskey so if you add, if you take that and you put it up against in terms of price once you start adding more to that bring it down maybe 45 percent you know with your additional water you get more volume so think of it like that you know if you have to justify it to the wife, that's how you do it. You say, oh, but this is maybe a smaller bottle, maybe more expensive, but it lasts longer. And it's much better quality, much better quality. So you can get it again at Irish Malts. Now, another local independent off-license here is the Sipster uh, down in, in White Abbey. Now, they do delivery all across the UK. Um, at 50, between 50 and 70, Yellow Spot. Yellow Spot is, the, for me, the best of the spot range. I, I I think it's fabulous. It's just another fantastic, well-made uh, pot-style whiskey. Not, you can't really go wrong with it. Above 70 pounds. Now, I'm not going to start going on to too many of the, the ones that you can't get. And by that, I, I would recommend likes of your colognes and stuff like this but you can't get these now unless you start paying them at auction sites so i've really stuck to ones that are available as a, as a mainstream range 16 year old bushmills it is terrific it's just amazing i know lots of people who would never have tried it do yourselves a favor if you go into a bar in, in seven weeks' time, when you're maybe allowed back in the pub, dear God, um, do yourself a wee treat. Buy yourself something like that. It might be £10 for one, what a half one, but do it because it's it's an experience and it's, it's £10. It's not going to break the bank. But if you're going to buy a bottle of, You'll not be disappointed in Bushmill 16. It's just awesome, awesome stuff. Other ones, Bundles, 12-year-old PX. It's about £83 a bottle, I've seen it for, maybe about £80. Again, 
beautiful, well-crafted, gorgeous PX Chevy cast finish. What's not the like? Another one, which I'm always quite surprised, doesn't do better than it does. These you can pick up. It's a yearly release. And if the they're running around the £120 area, is Writer's Tears Cask Strength. And the reason it's looking down below here, it's not Justin hasn't turned up and below the desk. No, it's I have a bottle of it sitting over here, um, which I might open next week. Next week will be unboxing night. I haven't opened yet. But Writer's Tears is fabulous. And the Cask Strength, they do an annual, annual release of this. But it never seems to sell that well but it's extremely tasty stuff really really tasty um excuse me so that's my buying guide i hope maybe that helps a little bit or it's what someone what someone uh thought whenever they were they were thinking about a, a buying guide i i could have went for this is the one that i really like at that price or it could have been some of the rarer ones it's hard to get a hold of but I didn't particularly think that was going to be that helpful uh, I do apologise profusely for all the technical difficulties no idea where Justin has went I've logged in and I, he, he may be lurking about in the background somewhere doing something I would imagine he's probably going a bit cuckoo at the minute because the technical things when they go wrong Justin gets a bit irate about it uh, I've managed, I don't know how I've managed to get in here, he normally hosts the show and I, and I, well, I talk gibberish for, for all of that time but he uh, has obviously got kicked out, I get kicked out first then Justin got kicked out I can't see the messages unfortunately which is a bit of a a bit of a bummer but we'll try and answer, if there's any questions that I have to answer I will do it after the show I can go through it on Facebook or whatever uh, other than that folks I do apologise, I hope you enjoyed the Lost Distilleries well, I, th I think what those guys are doing is is really really interesting it appeals to the nerd in me if I'm totally honest I think that's uh, something it's what I call tangible tourism even though you're not going to the distillery because most of the buildings of them will have been demolished and so on it's the you're tasting something historical. You're buying into the story. You start to look up stuff. You start to find out about Campbelltown and why Campbelltown was so important. And there's books about it. And you can that's why I suggest that they can bring out a book about these distilleries because to me it's an obvious it's a, a, an obvious thing of progression for what they've already been doing. They've got all the stories. Why not just put it in a book? Because again, you're buying into that heritage. You're buying into that taste, and you're buying into all of that. So. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's quite good. We'll be doing an interview this week because obviously we can't, we're not going to ask people to come on Boxing Night, um, especially not most of the people in the Irish whiskey trade because they will be uh, three sheets to the wind. But next Saturday is Boxing Night and during the week we've got a very, a very special guest, possibly the most passionate man in Irish whiskey. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it comes off, but... Uh, with that, I am going to bid you good night. With that, I shall leave you. And I won't see you before Christmas unless you see Slauncher Claus, which I still do every night. We do Slauncher Claus on Instagram. So if you want to go on Instagram, Irish Whiskey Review over there. And uh, 